love, God, we thank you for your pursuit after us, God, even when we were wandering like sheep, God. Uh, we just thank you for just having a love that surpasses getting hurt or, or rejected, God, but you were just so concerned with us that you pursue us. God, we thank you for that kind of love, God, and, and though we may not know love on earth like that, we maybe experience faulty love throughout our life, God, your love does not compare to that. God, your love is overwhelming, and I pray that today we would really get a true sense of what that feels like. I pray that you would speak to each and every one of us, God, that we would have open hearts and, and open ears to hear your word today. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, you guys can have a seat. It's good to be back. I've been all over the place lately. Um, I have been traveling basically throughout the East Coast and then throughout um, just kind of Florida area. But before that, I have been in Oakton, Carthage, so you guys... Might not, might, ugh, might not even know who I am, so my name is Amy Garfield. If you don't know me, I'm the youth pastor here at Oakton Church, but youth pastor, children's pastor, eh, a little, little bit of this and that, a little bit of everything, so it's been fun though. But um, before we get too far into the service, did we have anyone who graduated college or some sort of program that we didn't recognize today? Mr. Dylan, and I believe China did, didn't she? Is she here today? Oh, she's almost there? Okay. Next week. So we'll be praying for China. Is there anybody else? Am I missing? Oh, Addie. And then Hannah did a couple months back. Are you, st- you went back into the program, though, didn't you? I, don't- I can't keep up. There's too many. Uh, but if there's anyone else, let's just go ahead and give them a round of applause and be praying for them as well. But that's so awesome to see. I've got to say I was so encouraged that as I was traveling, I actually left um, about two weekends ago, and we hit up a church on Sunday of one of our, our good friends. His name is Timmy, and we went to their church, and they have almost the exact size of our church. But what had happened is they're in a remodeling phase right now because their youth takes up the entire center. So it was so encouraging to see. They do have a bigger town, but I was like, man, it was just so exciting to see that because what the youth did, since there were so many of them, they actually gave their adults the seating and the youth stood the entire service. So it was just really inspiring to uh, see that this last week. So I'm encouraged coming back. And they had an awesome service just about the Holy Spirit. So it was just really encouraging. Um, But today, as I speak to the graduates, I'm going to talk to you guys about something that's a little personal, hopefully to where you guys have been. I've got to give a shout out to Kelsey and Daniel because they've been our fuel presidents this year. And Kelsey's like, stop talking, stop talking. (laughs) But I've got to say, these are some of the most just caring people I've encountered. Kelsey has a heart like no other, just the way she cares about people. And Daniel's got amazing talents and giftings that just drumming, and so it's been incredible to have them lead us this year. Uh, But a theme that came around, I think this probably would have been when you guys were either freshman or eighth grade, but might even be later than that, but we started a theme called Back to Life, and this theme was all about experiencing life in Christ. And so today we're going to kind of figure out what that means, and just um, without any further ado, we'll just jump into it because I may have went over by like 30 minutes for service, so we'll just get started. I'll just stop talking. So I'm going to start by reading from the message here, and we're going to look at John 10.10, and it's all about this life, and then we'll look at some other uh, translations as well. When you got it, say whoop. Am I the only one who's had coffee this morning? Because I haven't. It was orange juice, but I feel like I have. okay. You can, you can say whoop in church. It's, it's not a cuss word. It's all right. Um, all right. Well, I'll go ahead and get started. John 10, 10 in the message says, I came so that they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. I wonder what your guys' like wildest dreams are. Um, I would consider myself kind of a big dreamer. I'm, I'm small town raised, but I got big dreams, so it's good. Um, but I would consider myself a big dreamer. I'm not, I'm not your standard Larminian. Is that the word for Lamar? Lamartian? Is that Larminian? I don't know what that is. So, so I'm not even familiar with the terms they call themselves here. So, uh, but I would consider myself a big dreamer. Um, but the thing is, your wildest dream, whatever you can think of, if you think you have crazy aspirations in life or just big dreams... 
I challenge you to look at the scripture because it says God will do more than you could ever dream. Doesn't that speak volumes to what God is capable of? Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we could all ask, think, or imagine with his power within us. And so this is the kind of God we serve. And I'm so glad that we have a God who can exceed our capabilities, who can exceed, excuse me, exceed our dreams. I got to breathe in between here. That's always helpful. Um, that's what happens when I get excited. So, But I got to ask, if this, if this life is so spectacular, if it's beyond my dreams, how do I get this life? Is anybody else wondering how you reach this life, how you step into it? Because I feel like for so many of us, maybe we have this idea of what life in Christ looks like. But let me tell you something. Jesus didn't just come here so you could show up on Sundays and just come to church. It's, it's not about religion. He came for this relationship and this life where you could walk with him. He has so much more for you. But I think really to get the full message here. Sometimes we, we pull segments out of the Bible, but we don't really know the entirety of what they mean. So really, to, to experience real life, we're going to look at the book of John 10, or chapter 10, excuse me. And we're going to read throughout this, verses 1 through 10. But my prayer today is like Logan Miller was saying this Wednesday. Man, that was such an encouraging message. I hope you guys got to hear that. But he was talking about how God would shake us. And I'm, that's really just my goal. You know, every time I come to church, I just don't want to show up at, at Sunday service and just do a routine, but I want to experience God. I want to hear from him. I want him to speak something into my life. And so if we want to live this kind of life, we got we to gotta kind of look at the scripture a little bit. But before we get there, as you guys are kind of turning, you know, maybe I feel like there's, there's kind of two different areas for this because there's probably some of you out there who have, uh, have tried to experience real life in God. Maybe, maybe you've put yourself out there and you've thought, you know, I've, I've put myself out to experiencing life from God, but for some reason, I'm just not in it. It's, it's just not clicking. It's, it's not connecting. Maybe it's not for me. And maybe you're kind of on the outside looking in and, and you don't really understand what this life looks like. And so, really, I challenge you today, just open your heart to God speaking to you, because I know he will. So we're going to look at John 10, and I'll be quiet so we can eat today before two. Um, yeah, some laugh, and some are like, is she, is she serious? <laughs> Might be. All right. So John 10, I'm going to read this out of the NIV now. It says, very truly, I tell you Pharisees. Now, if you're not familiar with the word Pharisees, Pharisees were the religious leaders. I like to call them the haters because they're constantly following Jesus around and just hating on his game. Um, I, I think I sound cool sometimes, but kids are like, please just stop talking. Um, and so the religious leaders say, or they're listening to Jesus. Excuse me if I can talk. Anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he, was brought out all, when he brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they run away from him. Because they do not recognize the stranger's voice. Now, if you're kind of new to the whole church thing, and you're like, what is she doing up there talking about sheep? Uh, I'm not a farmer. Technically, I consider myself a farmer. I said this first service because I've got more than two chickens alive right now. So I am a farmer, guys. This is real. I, I got coveralls. It's, it's legit. But if you're like, I don't know what a sheep is. I can't relate to this. This is a metaphor that's used all throughout the Bible. So if God is the shepherd, what does that make us? That is not a compliment. Do you guys know anything about sheep? I look like a chicken. Thank you, Michael. Um, Sheep are not intelligent animals. They are not well-equipped. 
there's like scriptures and stuff talking about sheep being so dumb, they will literally run off the side of a cliff. That's us, guys. That is, that is who we are. That is our metaphor in the Bible. This is, this is us. It's good. We're sheep. It's cool. So just to really put it in perspective, if you were to choose someone in a fight, all right, y'all with me? Between like a shark, a bear, or a lion, or a sheep, who would you choose? Bear, bear versus sheep. Who's going to win, guys? Who's going to win? Like, like bears, they got the claws, they got the teeth. I mean, even like, I feel like my small guinea pig could potentially take out a sheep. Like, it's more equipped. Um, but anyway, I'm getting sidetracked now. So, you know, sheep, they're, they're really not intelligent animals. So they don't really have means of survival. In fact, I like to think of them as like pillows with legs. That's really, really their sole purpose in life. And so everything they do revolves around the shepherd. They have to follow this shepherd to just stay alive. They have to follow this shepherd for purpose. And so everything around the shepherd revolves, or excuse me, everything around the sheep revolves around the shepherd. So I think that says a lot about the way our relationship with God should look. If God is the shepherd and we are the sheep, how much are we depending on the shepherd? And so this relationship between the sheep and the shepherd, it says it's so intimate, they could recognize the voice of the shepherd, but they would run away from any voice that wasn't him. Man, do you recognize the voice of the shepherd? I'm going to keep reading. Number, number seven here, it says, Therefore Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have, become, all who have come before me are thieves, and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will go, come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. So I'm going to say that one more time because that's, a, that's kind of a thing we quote a lot, but I'm not sure if we really get it. So say this along with me. The thief comes only to steal. All right, we're doing good. Kill and destroy. So steal, kill, and destroy. I don't know what I was going for, but y'all did great. You hung in there with me. Um, So if God's main goal, this is what we have to understand. If this passage is saying God comes to give us life and life to the full, we understand that. God's purpose is to give us life. But at the same time, we have to understand that there's also another person. There's a thief, and he's coming to steal, to kill, and destroy that's something we have to take so seriously. Isaac, I don't mean to put you on the stop, the spot, but I'm going to put you on this, this spot here. But he got knocked out with a tree this last week. Is that what I hear while I was gone? How many of you guys know? We, we have this kid at South. His name's Hinder, and he's, uh, man, I'm praying for this kid a lot. But he asks this question almost every week. He's, he's like, if God is good, if there is a God, why do bad things happen? How many of you know that there is an enemy that comes to steal, to kill, and destroy? And so if we have a good God, there's someone else who's doing all this other stuff. How many of you know that the devil would love to take Isaac out right now? He he would love to break up that family. He would love to destroy his life. But the thing is, Satan doesn't have the power to do that if you don't let him. But you have to recognize the enemy. And so if Jesus' main goal is to give us life, we have to recognize that. But some of us, we don't recognize that there is a good God who's here to give us life. But in the the same breath, we don't recognize that there's a thief to take it. And so we have to get a hold of those two facts. This is what Jesus is trying to teach us. I'm going to read it just a little bit over so you can really put it in your brain today. Anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in some other way, doesn't that show the craftiness of Satan, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. And so we have to listen, and he's going to be leading us into this life. Just a recap, when when he has brought them out on his own, he goes ahead of the sheep, and they follow him because they know his voice, but they will never follow a stranger and they will run away from the stranger's voice because they do not recognize it. Now, if you read the last sentence after all of this, it says the Pharisees do not understand. 
because they don't know the shepherd. And so they begin to question what Jesus says because they don't know who he is. And so they immediately, just right off, Jesus is saying all this stuff, and he's like, I can just picture Jesus like, that's what I just said. <laughs> you don't know my voice. And so the gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. Man, you guys get pumped up. It's just me. I'm the, I'm the only one excited. Okay. So Jesus is saying that he comes to give us life. I think we've got a hold of that, but how do we get this life? Did you guys catch it from that? By discerning the voice of the shepherd. So we're never going to experience this real life that God has for us if we don't know his voice, if we don't know when he's speaking to us. How do we recognize the voice of God? So... What I find really cool about all of this is when we're talking about recognizing the voice of God, a lot of you may say, well, I don't, I don't know if God speaks. You know, I don't know if he speaks to me. But the thing is, if you're a Christian in here today, God has spoke to you at one point or another because you've heard his voice. You followed the shepherd. You, you've asked him into your heart. And so at some point you've heard his voice. But how do we know what that sounds like? How do, we, how do we get this intimate relationship? Hebrews 1, 1 through 2 says this. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. So you guys know who the prophets were? They're all throughout the Old Testament. And so the Old Testament is this book before Jesus was here, and, and the people of God would hear the word of God through a prophet. It wasn't like it is today where, where you can hear from God. You would have to hear it from someone else, just one man that could hear the voice of God, and he would have to explain it to everyone. But now it says, in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. So Jesus has came now that we may have life, and when he, which he was appointed an heir of all things. Through him, he created the world. So how does God speak to us? Through who? Oh, you guys are going to have to talk louder. I'm going to have to start standing on some chairs this morning. I, I like to get fired up here. I lost my straw, so I feel really weird because it reminds me of like a baby bottle up here. So don't make fun of me too much. I heard a chuckle and I was like, I know, I know. Okay. Um, so if God speaks to us through his son, we understand that. And we understand that there is a thief who also understands this. And so in the same way, if there's a voice that gives us life, there's a voice that's trying to take our life away. Does everybody get that? Uh, man, I hope you get it. So the key in all of this is Satan can't steal your life from God. He can't pull you away from God and just say, hey, this is over. He can't separate you from God like that. You, you realize that, right? He can't pull you away from God, but something he can do is he can kind of remove the voice of the shepherd. You, you can forget whose voice you're recognizing. You know, as that was talking about the sheep and the shepherd, they said they, they know the voice of the shepherd, but they also know anyone who's not. And so Satan can cause you to stop recognizing the voice of God in your life. He can't steal your life away, but he can, he can start saying, you know, hey, is that God speaking to you? Is that real? Is that him? And he can cause you to question the voice of God. And so if, if you're still on the edge a little bit, you're like, oh, I don't, I don't know what she's saying. I'll just go ahead and back it up with scripture. But something I was talking about first service. Oh, boy. I've got to talk faster. I only got 35 minutes here. So I see some people looking at the clock. Uh, but something I was talking about first service is I, I haven't got to preach in big church too often. I don't know why. Probably because I, I go over by 40 minutes. But uh, anyway, so if you look at all the sermons I've preached so far, I don't say this in a cocky way, but God orchestrated this so much if you look at the sermons, they're all tied into this one sermon. I've talked about having the best life possible during Christmas time. I talked about the shepherds. Um, just every one I've done, I can't even think of my own sermons. The breakup one with, yeah, we're going into that now. So they're all tied into this, and it's so cool how God orchestrated this. And I didn't even realize. So without any further ado, we're going to turn to the very beginning of the Bible in Genesis. And this is where God speaks, his voice creates, it produces life. 
And so from the, the voice of God, there's, there's creation, there's humanity, there's animals, there's everything that there is today. And so the voice of God speaks things into existence. And in the middle of the Garden of Eden, there's two trees, the tree of life. What's the, what's the last word of that? Life? And the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So we're going to pick up today with what God says in Genesis 2, 16 through 17. I'll throw it up there just because we're going to be moving kind of fast. It says, And the Lord God commanded the man, so he spoke to the man, saying, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat, pretty simple, from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely, what's that last word? Die. So Satan comes to kill. And so God warns us of what Satan's trying to do here. And so it's a pretty simple rule. I think they, I think they can understand that. That's not too complicated. But then the serpent comes along. Genesis 3.1. And what does he do? He speaks. He said, did God really say you must not eat from any tree of the garden? And so all of a sudden there's this other voice. And it's not God's. But just to confirm everything, so we have what God says, we have what the thief says. But what even happens after this, if you go to the next one, the woman even acknowledges the voice of God. She quotes back, but God did say. So she knows what God said. You must not eat from any tree of the garden that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, for you will surely die. So she's aware of the word of God, but she follows the voice of another. And so, this is the first time in human history where a voice other than God formed the identity of people. This is the first time in history. It's, it's only been God forming them up to this time and all of a sudden, there's this other voice. And so, Adam and Eve, you guys know the story, right? Do I need to recap just in case? They, they eat the fruit. They're exposed to their sin. They realize they're naked. They realize they're flawed. And let me just tell you this. When, when you come into contact with the character of God, he's going to expose your sin. And we're going to come back to that in just a minute. But something they do here is so important. They're exposed to their sin, and they begin to hide. They begin to feel shame, and so they hide away from God. And so we're talking about knowing the voice of God, right? Yep, yep, yeah. We're talking about knowing the voice of God. All right, I'll talk to myself up here. It's cool. (laughs) So knowing the voice of God, what God sounds like. But catch this. In the book of Genesis, it says this in verse 8. Then the man and his wife... I want you guys to catch this. Listen up, bud. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking. Did you catch that? They knew God so well past his voice. They knew his footsteps. They could hear when he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. They had such an intimate relationship with God that they could hear his footsteps. Man, that, that, that's encouraging, but it's also discouraging at the same time because that's so encouraging because that's what heaven's going to be like. Like, if anything else, you're going to be so intimately connected with God. You know, that's, that's so encouraging to me. I'm so excited for that. But also it's discouraging from what happens here. And so they hear his footsteps. But what do they do? So... They hear the sound and they hide. You got it. And so this is, this is like the first time for everything. This is the first time humanity's ever listened to a voice that was other, other than God's. And this is the first time we hide from God. So like I was talking about earlier, sometimes when we come into contact with the character of God, he exposes our sin and we retreat to hiding. 
We're like, oh, you know, you can see all of this. Okay, okay. And we, we hide and we feel shameful and we run away from God, just like Adam and Eve did in this story. But the Lord God called out to the man, where are you? Do you ever think that's kind of like a weird expression? Where are you? Like, if you play hide and seek with God, is, is he going to know where you're at? <laughs> like, I know this church is big, and if you turn off all the lights, I'm sure there's lots of hiding spots, but I bet God can be like, okay, okay, under the bathroom sink. I know where they are. Anybody catch that? Y'all played hide and seek in the church. Okay. Um, <laughs> and so you, you can't really hide with God. He, he knows everything, so it's not the fact that he doesn't know where they are. He's saying, what prevented you from being connected to me? What happened here? Why is there this disconnection between you and me? You know, what's going on? Why can't I hear you? Why are you hiding? And this is the first time God cries out. And, and maybe the same question that God asked Adam and Eve, he's crying out to you today. You know, where are you? Why are, why are you hiding? I, I'm trying to speak to you. I'm trying to change your life. Why are you running from me? And I would challenge you in moments where you feel like running away from God, turn around and run to him. Because that's the only way you're going to find comfort. That's the only way you're going to find peace. God isn't just trying to expose your sin. He's trying to help you. And so, so many of us get caught up in our shame that we hide. And the man answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Hmm. So this is like one of the most unique expressions coming up in the Bible. I find it so interesting. <laughs> but uh, just to kind of stop right there, I'm getting a little bit ahead of my ho- myself. Excuse me. Um, but like they said, they were, they were filled with fear. How many of you guys know when you hear the voice of God, when you're maybe exposed to your sin, exposed to your shame, you're not supposed to be filled with fear. Like, if you hear the voice of God and feel fear, that's, that's not of God. And so if you hear the voice of God, it should be like a creating, life-giving voice. God isn't just here to expose your sin. He's trying to pull you closer to him. And so if you feel condemnation, there is no condemnation for those in Christ. But like I said, this is one of the most interesting expressions coming up. But just to explain it, God replies by saying, who told you you were naked. But, I mean, I find that kind of like an interesting response to that. Has anyone, young people especially, just like made this massive mistake in your life? You're like, oh, this was a game changer. Like one, one of those things you're afraid to tell mom and dad about. You guys make, is this just me? Nobody's ever made a large mistake before. Okay, okay, we got some honest people out there. And so I find that is such an interesting response, and I'm going to explain all of this, but just to kind of get your your head around it, um, I recently got a Jeep Wrangler, Jeep Wave. Um, It's awesome. My doors come off. The top comes off. The doors, did I say the doors already? Everything comes off. Um, But the reason I had to get a Jeep Wrangler is everything came off my other car, um, so I kind of, kind of hit a ditch going pretty fast, hit some ice and I did two flips end over end. And then I rolled a couple times after that. And I think the only thing that actually happened throughout all of this is I had all my camera equipment in the car. And so my drone flew back and just smacked me in the back of the face. And so I, I had a scratch from that, but other than that, I was protected, but I was kind of freaking out because I, I got out of my car. I was fine. Uh, but my car was not fine. <laughs> It was, it was not good. <laughs> and so I get out, and um, both my axles are broken. I've got, like, one tire still maybe connected. And so I've, like, I've, I've mentally prepared myself. Who likes to be prepared? I'm like, okay, if you ever get in an accident, you got your insurance, you call 911, you do all those fancy things, right? So I call 911, and it was the day there was this massive wreck on I-40. And so they're like, if you're not critically injured, call back tomorrow. So it's, it's snowing. I've got sandals on because it was nice before and um, just no jacket, t-shirt. My dad always said, put stuff in the back of your car. Never, never listened. Um, so young people always have nice stuff in the back of your car. Um, so I'm like, all right. 
the nice people aren't coming. Who do I call now? <laughs> Kent. <laughs> All right, so dad, I called dad, and um, I put him on, well, he puts me on speakerphone, like, every time my mom is always listening. And so I give him a call, and I'm like, dad, I just flipped my vehicle, and I start explaining everything, and my mom just yells out the most interesting response. Amy, drive slow! Okay, Mom, I've got one tire, so like maybe if I give it a good push, we'll go back down this hill, we'll go the other direction, we might hit a stellar two miles per hour. What, what do I do with that? <laughs> and so I feel like in the same way, you know, like, like me and Adam and Eve here in this story, we should have got a different response from God. Like, we have just messed up everything. Like, I feel like an appropriate response would have been, why did you do that? I, I told you not to do that. You, I specifically had one instruction, just like one, one rule. Has, has any parent ever done that to you guys? <laughs> one rule. <laughs> they got the finger. Um, <laughs> but that would have been a more appropriate response, right? But it, instead they say, God says, why, or who told you you're naked? I'm like, come on, God, you're acting like Karen. <laughs> who told you you were naked? Uh, God, let's, let's do something about it. They just messed it up for everybody. Why does it matter who told them they were naked? What, what does that have to do with prestige? Um, <laughs> and so why is this question so important to God? It's because up until now, the only voice that has shaped humanity was God. So who is this person that told you this? Man, if that doesn't speak to your life, I don't know what will because the word of God says this. So who told you what you're hearing? What, what voice did you let in? What, what separated you from listening to me? And so maybe today you're, you're not listening to the voice of God. Maybe it's the voice of deception. And so today... There's, there's a, kind of something to take away from this story. It's that Adam and Eve were, were separated from God. They're saturated in their sin, but all because a voice spoke this to them. And let me tell you, a, a, a voice doesn't always come from Satan. It can come from your mom. It can come from your dad. It can come from a teacher who you really take their criticism from. It can come from a peer, from a spouse. You know, I just, I don't, I don't know if I can love you when you're like this. And all of these negative words, we can store them in our heart. And, and sooner or later, we can start to believe these things about ourselves, And we can listen to this deception in our life. And then we can begin to put shame into our hearts. But let me ask you something. Wasn't, Adam and Eve was like always naked, Right? Like, this didn't abruptly happen. It was like, they were always like this, but some reason when they ate the fruit, shame was introduced into the world. When they exposed themselves to sin, they realized who they were and that they weren't worthy of God. So who has put shame into your life? Boy, Grandma, I'm glad you came to hear me preach today because I got a story about you. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So my grandma does this uh, cute, uh, is what she might say, cute little thing. Um, all of our cousins used to hang out a lot as kids. We're like eight of us, excuse me, including myself. And so I don't know why, but we would uh, take baths together. That's a pretty typical thing, right, when you got a bunch of two or three-year-olds. And so um, my grandma had this cute idea to take a picture of us when we were in the bathtub. Cute idea. Um, <laughs> No, it's, it's, it's really harmless. The, the harmful part was I used to have this incredible ability as a child to, like, plunge out my stomach and make myself look very large. And I thought it was so cool. I was like, look at me. I'm large. And I got tiny arms. I thought it was so cool. And so I remember, Whitney, I remember you telling me this, and she denies it to this day. She was like, Amy, do that thing with your stomach. And so Grandma gets ready to take the picture, and I'm like... <laughs> just pops out. And so, growing up, I thought it was the coolest thing ever, but as reasons why I'm single, number one. Um, but as I got older, 
I started to bring people home to the house to meet the folks, you know, and my house connected to my grandparents. Um, so they would go over and meet grandma and grandpa, and I don't know who started doing this, but people started taking the picture out and bring it to whoever I was dating and, like, look at Amy. <laughs> like, if that's not shameful, I don't know what is. Like, like, and so over time, I was like, okay, I'm bringing somebody over, walk into grandma's bathroom, flip that picture down. <laughs> She's never going to know. And so I started, I started hiding it. But why did I suddenly feel this shame? Because the voices of Whitney ridiculing me, obviously. <laughs> but, but suddenly they, they felt this shame. This shame was introduced into the world. And, and suddenly we start to listen to all the voices other than God. And we begin to silence his voice, we began to turn up everything else and just kind of silence the voice of God. And so I've, I've done this personally in my own life. I mean, I've had to learn how to silence the voice of other people. And maybe that's something you need to do in here today. But, but um, just to really understand this properly is there's kind of like this thing. I'm, I'm going to summarize it since we're... I only got 20 minutes, man. I got to move fast. Um... But since we're in kind of a hurry, I do this thing with my life called truth or trash. I grew up liking or like liking to be a funny person. I don't that didn't make any sense. Great grammar. Um, but I like to be funny. I, I like to make people laugh. And so that was like my goal in high school. I'm like, I'm going to be so funny. I got a media tech. I was like, hey, I'm going to make funny videos. And so over time, I realized that the person I had created in myself revolved around the applause of other people. Let me tell you, that's a good thing, but that's also a harmful thing. Because before long, you begin to just listen to other people about everything. And so I had to take my life and put it against the word of God. You know, hey, they've said this, what does the word of God say? And in the same way, when you're, when you're trying to hear the voice of God, you have to recognize his voice by knowing his word. John 1 says this, in the beginning was the word. And the word was God. Or excuse me. And the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made and nothing was made that had been made. Isn't this so cool? Because not only is God's word life, God is the word of life. It's not just what he does, it's who he is. God just doesn't want to give you life. He is life. And so to get that, you have to understand your Bible, you know, if you're not digging in, it's probably going to be hard for you to understand the word of God because, you know, I, I like to think to myself, how are you going to know what God speaks if you don't already know what he said? How is he going to reveal something new if you don't already know what's written down? And so you have to study your word. You have to know what he says. And that's how you begin to hear his, vo his voices by knowing his word because it says that he is the word. So to know the person of God, you have to know what scripture says. When everybody says, who is God to you? You got to look at your Bible. You can't listen to what people say. You know, God is 2,000 years ago, 3,000 years ago, whatever it was. You know, he wasn't real. He wasn't relevant. He was just a person. He came. He died. But you have to look at scripture. You know, what does the truth of God's word say about this? How do we hear the word of God? But there's something more than just hearing the word of God. So if you got your Bibles, turn to Hebrews 3, and we're going to be in verse 7. It says, so as the Holy Spirit says, in other words, when you feel the prompting of God, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. And so it's not only listening to the word of God, it's being receptive to it. It's saying, you know, am I going to take this in? Am I going to apply this to my life? And the clarity of what scripture says is so real because it's implying that God speaks to each and every one of us. But you're going to have to decide what you're going to do with it. Because God isn't just like a remote controller. When, when God like starts working on an area of your life, you can't just pick up a remote and change the channel. You don't get to decide what God corrects in your life. You can either choose if you're going to take the correction of God 
or if you're going to harden your heart to it. He's not going to move on to a different area because he knows what you need to work on. He knows your heart. And so you have to say, you know, have I grown hard to what God's spoken to me? Have, have I blown it off? Have I taken it in? Have I, have I corrected my life according to what he said? Because right now, in, in this moment, the, the coolest thing about God is he's always speaking to us. Always. There's not a moment goes by that God's not speaking to us. But the thing is, if you harden your heart, God's a gentleman. Over time, if, if you harden your heart, your ears are going to become dull. And you're not going to recognize the voice of God. And eventually, you'll, you'll begin to doubt if God even speaks. But I ask you, if you don't know if God speaks, what are you doing here today? Because why would you be in church if you don't want to be changed by God? I mean, I mean, honestly, like, just go save, like, an hour and a half, go to McDonald's, go do something fun. But if you're going to listen and not change, I mean, what's the point? Is that too harsh? Go, go somewhere nice, like tractors. Okay. <laughs> but I've come to a, a place in my life before where God was specifically trying to work on something that I had just buried. Has anyone ever been there? Is this just me? I'm like, oh, that's, it's like that little thing you hide behind everything else. You throw some clothes on it, like, God won't see that. (laughs) And that's the first thing he goes for, as you guys know. But there was this thing I had going on in my life, and and I I felt like I couldn't give it to God. I felt like if, if I gave this part of me to God, I wouldn't have anything left of myself. I was like, God, you can't really touch that. You can't really mess with that, because that's, that's kind of what I need to keep going. That's, that's like what I depend on. That's, that's what I need. Has anyone ever been like that? And so I would, I would say like, God, you can work on all these parts of me, but that one, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't let you touch it. I can't, I'm not ready to give it to you. But the thing is, God's a gentleman, like I said. He's not going to force his voice on you. He's not going to demand correction and just... Like the kid was asking at Oakton South, you know, why, why does bad things happen? God's, God's given us free will. Like if, if he just created you to just serve him and, and be a robot, that would be possible for him. But he decided, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give them the desires of their heart. They're going to be able to choose what they want to do with their life. They can choose what they want to give to me. They can choose what they, they want to hand. And I'm getting outside of my notes here, but I was just working on the book for summer camp. Um, I'm writing at the show. It's so cool. Um, but I was talking about the parable of the sower and it talks about all kinds of the seed. And Logan was talking about this Wednesday and how there's, um, there's just the, the ground was choking out some and there was other types. I can't remember them all off the top of my head, but basically there was a good soil, but it says from that good soil. So the seed that took in what God said, it produced in 30, 60 and a hundred. In other words, if you're not content in your level with Jesus, it's solely on how much you've put in. If, if you're like, I don't have enough God in my life, that's how much you put in. God says that there will be different results from the seed. And so I challenge you, you know, what, what kind of result are you wanting to get with God? Are you, are you wanting to give him pieces? Are you want, I mean, I'm not questioning whether you're going to get into heaven or not. I'm questioning if you're going to live a real life. Like, are, are you going to experience joy? Are you going to be walking in the will of God? You know, it's, it's all up to you. But it says, if you harden your heart, you'll begin to doubt his voice. But if you lean into his voice in times where maybe you've hardened your heart and, and you say, you know what, God, I'm, I'm going to give that to you. It, even when it's hard, if, if you just trust him, you're going to remember his voice. You're going to know when he speaks. You're going to begin to see what he's going to do. And so you'll be able to identify his voice. But there's so much importance in reading your Bible. Hebrews 4.12 says this, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged double sword that penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Did anyone ever watch Bible Man as a kid? Is that just me? There was this thing um, he did throughout his skits in Bible Man, if you don't know, he was like a superhero, 
where he would, um, he would have this sword, but every time he faced his enemy, he could only win by quoting scripture. And so <laughs> Rose is like, yeah, no, number one fan. Yeah, we'd watch it at each other's house. Um, and so that's the importance of knowing your Bible because there's, there's more than one voice that's going to speak to your life. So how are you going to combat that with the word of God? Let me tell you something even more interesting. My dad was talking about this first service, and I took it out in my notes, so it was kind of ironic, so I'll go ahead and say it. Um, but he was talking about how when Jesus retreated to the wilderness for 40 days and for 40 nights after fasting, Satan had approached him. And Jesus begins to beat Satan by the word of God. But what I find really interesting here is did you realize that Satan knew the word of God? He was trying to twist the word of God. He was trying to change it. And let me tell you something. If Satan can change the word of God to fit his life, so can you. You may look at the word of God and you may say, hey, I think this is what it means. This is, this is how I can still keep doing what I want to do and get away with it. Ooh, my name. Look down for a minute. <laughs> and so and there's more than just hearing the word of God, it's, it's following it, it's studying it, it's making sure, you know, hey, am I, am I putting my life in the right direction? Am, am I applying the scripture as God meant it to be? Because I really think there's no doubt in scripture. I think you really have to warp it to make it not make sense. Amen? We got two ready. Okay. <laughs> All right, well, I'll go ahead and wrap this up. So, how do we know what the voice of God sounds like? The, the overarching theme of today. I don't know if I said that word right. I'm just... Anyway, um, but in many ways, I've come to realize that, you know, if you've, if, I don't know if this is a weird perspective, but if you've never heard the voice of God, some people expect it to be like, Amy. I expected that to be way darker. darker. Um, <clears throat> Amy. No, still. <laughs> All right, we're not. Anybody got a deep voice? But in many ways, have you guys noticed how maybe when, when I was talking about earlier, how people speak into your life and they'll say things, have you realized when you play them back in your mind, they don't always sound like the other people? In fact, I've realized over time, and maybe this is just me, but those voices start to sound a lot like myself. Like maybe Kelsey called me weird and instead of hearing Kelsey's voice like, Amy, you're weird, I start to say, Amy, you're weird. And I start to hear myself saying it and I, I start thinking it's me and then I, I start believing it. I, I start taking it in. I start, hey, that's who I am. This is what I think about myself. But in the same way, maybe this is just me, but I think the voice of God sounds a lot like myself. But the one way I can always tell it's the voice of God is first of all, it'll always line up with scripture. If you challenge tongues and interpretation, if you don't believe in them, to me, it's as simple as, hey, if this lines up with scripture, God spoke it. If this does not line up with scripture, if it is contrary to the word of God, throw it out. So in the same way, and in, in what I challenge myself with in my thoughts, if I want to know if something's God or not, if it lines up with scripture, God is his word. And so if we're studying it right, if we're listening to him right, if we're not manipulating it, he speaks like his word. But I've often found in my life, there's, there's been times where I've just been at the edge of myself. I don't know if you guys have ever experienced something like that where, where you just feel like giving up and maybe it's the plan of God in your life or maybe it's something more serious and you're just, you're just ready to throw in the towel. You're just ready to give up. Maybe, maybe it's something God's called you to do. And, and in times like that, I will hear voices saying, you know, Amy, give up. You know, Amy, Amy, just fall in. Just throw in the towel. Just give up. God doesn't want you to do this. And in all of those voices, there will be one voice pushing through saying, just keep going. Just keep doing it. Just, just push through. And I know that voice is God because it's going against everything else that I want to do. And so how you determine what the voice of God is, is, is that it lines up with scripture, but normally in my personal life, that's the way I see it. Hold on, bud, we'll, we'll talk in a minute. And so as we're closing out here today, I'm going to go ahead and have the praise team come on up here. But as they're, they're coming up, I just... 
I mean, I want you to know that God is going to continue speaking to you, whatever you decide today. He's going to continue whispering in that, that still small voice, even when you reject him, even when your heart's hard, because that's how much he loves you. But the thing is to really tune in and, and lean into that voice. Sometimes we have to let go of what we really want. Man, there, there's this awesome pastor I love. His name's Chad Veach. And, and he always says, he talks about this story, and he had this, this dream of what he wanted to do in life. And he said, basically, he ended up giving, giving away his plan. And he, he felt like before that, you know, there, there wasn't really much breakthrough. He, he thought God had a certain plan for his life, but he had this big dream. You know, he had his dream. This is what he wanted to accomplish. And he said, as soon as I let go of my dream, God's dream came to life. And sometimes it's as simple as just putting down your own desire to let the desire of God just rise up. And, and so many people were so concerned with just like letting go to the, to the like ounce of just what we're holding on to. It's like all we have left. But the thing is, until you let that go, God's dream is never going to go full force into your life. Until you, you give your heart completely over to him, you know, that's the only way it can thrive. And scripture says, you know, in, in moments where we feel like that, God's power is made perfect in our weakness. And so in moments where you feel vulnerable, in moments where you feel like, you know, God, I just, this is scary. And in that weakness, God's made strong. But the thing is, I know God's speaking to you in here today. And maybe you're not familiar with his voice, maybe. Maybe you can't really recognize it yet. You can't really discern what's him. But this is going to require more than one thing. But it all begins with giving your heart to him. You know, if, if you hear his voice just wanting to give you life, you know, I believe that when I was in my sinful state, God was just speaking to the carcass of my heart. You know, he was just bringing me into this life and he was pulling me in and he was saying, you know, Amy, I love you if you just trust in me, if you just give this to me, you know, my voice is going to lead you through. But that's where it all starts. And so if you don't have a relationship with Jesus here today, that's the most important thing. But if, if you're already a follower, if you're already a believer in here today, maybe you call yourself a Christian the scripture said in these last days, God speaks through his son. And so Jesus will continue to pursue us. But the next step after you followed the voice of God into salvation is entering into that real life. So following his voice, it's just not a one and done. It's, it's continuing to follow the voice of God, even when it seems hard, even when it seems challenging just keep going in the direction that he's pulling you. Even if, if everything inside yourself is fighting the other direction, I, I promise you he's got so much breakthrough on the other side. And so with every head bowed in here today, I think it's, it's so cool that even when we were an enemy of God, even when we were his foe, he's still speaking to us. And so just as it's quiet in here today, I challenge you to just reflect on your life. Um.